In a world where Republicans and Democrats work together, things might actually get done. Every day in Charlotte, North Carolina, two council members deal with the city's most pressing issues, like potholes. They don't follow the rules, they make them. Those two council members are Larkin Eggleston and Tarek Bakari, and we join them now for another episode of R&D in the QC. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is that why you are here? Episode 17, we talk Eastland, Memorial Stadium, the new fire chief, low carbon, the airport, and Cognizant's $100 million? Welcome to r and the QC, episode 17, and we're recording on a Tuesday today, a little out of our normal order. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we didn't have a normal meeting scheduled of, of council for this Monday, for last night, and so we didn't record one last night. Uh, we'll talk about what we did yesterday a little later, but we did decide we are going to have a special episode this week uh, because a lot has happened in the last seven days, and we wanted to catch you up to speed and not have too much on our plate to try to unpack for next week. So Let's just pull up the calendar so, and randomly look at what we've been doing since, since we last, last week. met. Since we last met. Let's ju- I'm going to jump randomly around to Thursday the 26th. We had a special little event there, didn't we? Well, we actually had two because you and I got to help cut the ribbon at Shake Shack that Ooh, day. Oh, was that that? Oh, that's right. Okay, so we cut the ribbon at Shake Shack, which was absolutely incredible. However, I went back and stood in the line over the, the weekend. The burger was incredible. It, Cutting it was. the ribbon was, you know, that was whatever. not that incredible. Yeah. But then that burger... Set yours a double, mine a single. Uh, set us I'm a big, up. I'm a big boy. <laughs> set us up then for our first round of the city basketball tournament. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, that's how all the pros really prepare. Yes. Yeah, so we had a game at 4 p.m. The city council members, uh, the new, newly elected uh, young men on city council. Fab Tar- Five. Tar- some like to I refer included. to them. Uh, yeah, our, our team name is Fab Five. We signed up for, and I, I gather that this is unprecedented. Uh, we signed up for the city employee basketball tournament. And so Tarek and I, our pregame meal was a Shake Shack burger, uh, fries for me, and we both had a milkshake. Salted caramel milkshake. Yes. You know, um, yeah, milkshake, bad idea. Yes. You so we came not, in there. You should not get a milkshake before you in, play basketball. In the game. May Madness, we drew uh, Charlotte Water, which... Shout we, out to Ms. Lee. Yeah, we beat them down so hard they sprung a leak. You know if, you know what I'm saying? You're really working that uh, Wearing that joke out. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did. We won our first game, I think, 12-4. to 4. Um, We got CMPD this Thursday. It's only a game, only a game 2-12, to be clear. We didn't... That's where they stop you. So they we stopped certainly you, yeah. could have scored more. Yeah. Um, CMPD is going to be tough on Thursday. That's round two. Yeah, we have my friend uh, Demain Duckett, who is a former NFL football player and a large, large human being. Do you guys want me to guard him? From or? the North Tron Division. Should I should Yes, I take and him? then when he breaks you, we'll send someone else in. <laughs> um, so if you want to come out, Methodist Homes Rec Center on Shamrock Drive, 315 this Thursday to see us um, probably lose to CMPD. Dominate. But we're going to try real hard. So that um, was that was on Thursday. That, that was, was a big day. Also that was fun. on Thursday, between our milkshake and our basketball game, we had an economic development meeting. Oh, we did. That's God. What a big day that was. Big day. So, um, so yeah. What it, so we did primarily spent most of the time talking next steps Eastland, all things Eastland. Um, I think my my feedback in that meeting was um, while it seems like they're positioning us to 
kind of come to a conclusion on which developer, which pitch we liked, I, I just I made the comment of how can we even begin to to give that feedback or pick one without having any context for what they want from the city because we own the real estate, the property. You know, obviously with different kinds of models, there's just other kinds of incentives people ask for. So, uh, you know, I I, I don't want to re- re- repeat the mistakes of the past with Eastland where, you know, we're either overly prescriptive and run away good business or, you know, we get behind an idea that while everyone likes it, isn't viable. So I, I really want to see some some fundamentals of how it will be sustainable in the model and how we can trust the developers who end up getting the deal to really bring something forward that they believe the market will bear for a long time and we're not back in this position. Yeah, and I'll clarify a couple of things too. This is in District 5, but um, literally just across the street from part of my district, uh, Windsor Park for one. And so, you know, I had a lot of outreach from constituents in the wake of that economic development meeting. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding kind of going around in this discussion. And that has um, has kind of stirred up some emotions for folks. And again, I think we all need to be on the same page. And so one of the questions I asked in that meeting, um, it had been stated incorrectly that it might not be legal for us to mandate certain types of, of uh, residential housing on that project site, um, which if we were rezoning a project or a property that someone else owned would be accurate. But in the case of a property that we as the city own, uh, we can certainly dictate those type of things. So I wasn't necessarily at that point prescribing that we should or should not, simply wanting to make sure everyone understood that that was an option. Uh, the lawyer, our, our city attorney did indicate that, that that is something we could do should we want to. Um, Again, not having we're not crossing that bridge yet, just to understand what the the reality of the situation was. Another thing is, I think, for whatever reason, some people seem to have the idea that we might be looking to use this site as entirely residential, uh, which I don't think is anyone's thought. Um, now, on the same token, I think it's not anyone's thought that this project would have no residential. Um, best practice, I think, as most of us see it, would be that this would be a mix of uses that would include places for people to live, work, and play. Um, so there will almost certainly be some component of residential in this project. It would almost certainly not be entirely residential or entirely anything for that matter. Well, playing is the most important part to me. And as everyone knows... We don't need another laser tag. Joke. Laser tag is pretty much the only way I unwind. So <laughs> if that's not part of this deal, you know, I'm just, I'm not really interested. So we also pointed out that um, <laughs> there are, are four proposals on the table, and I... I said I think we need to be more honest about which ones actually have some sort of chance of moving forward because uh, the one that you have repeatedly referenced in your laser tag jokes, while well-intentioned, only proposed to develop 10 or 15 acres of the property. It had no residential component to it. At market rate or affordable, I'm I'm speaking generally on residential, it really just wasn't a fully um, rounded out plan. And and so for us to kind of keep acting like there's four proposals at the table when there's realistically probably two or three that have a chance of advancing, again, I think leads to some of the confusion and misunderstanding in the community and even just amongst ourselves. So we need to say, look, here are the two that actually could could fulfill this. Here are the two that could follow through and let's move forward analyzing them in comparison or the three in comparison or whatever. So um, I, I can assure anyone listening, no decisions have been made that um, that it's gonna be one certain project. Um, or that there's going to be some certain amount of housing, be it market rate or affordable. Um, and again, I think we want to make sure we're all having the same conversation and that, that there's not misinformation out there that's that's causing people to have 
fears that, that in some cases might be unfounded. Um, this will be a methodical process, and I, I think everyone will have plenty of opportunities to engage. Um, so to allay any fears that I can. The other thing we talked about in that meeting um, that that was more maybe interesting and uh, debated than I anticipated it would be was Memorial Stadium. Yeah. So that was one that the county has taken on the lion's share of funding the restoration of Memorial Stadium to get it back up to where it can be used by both the Hounds, our local lacrosse team, and the Independents, our local soccer team, and as well as something you and I uh, have a passion around and have talked about a lot, things like music festivals, beer festivals, battle of the bands, high school football, college football, whatever it is. So we want to get that project or that, um, that property kind of back activated. And the county has come to us and asked for three, up to $3 million to fund a new field surface that would allow it to be used more days of the year. So that, that I, I sat through that county commission uh, discussion and vote. And everyone voted yes, except for my buddy, uh, Commissioner Matthew Ridenour. I, If I was on that commission, I think I probably would have shared his sentiment, which is it's great. It would produce some 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 really uh, a great, funky environment for us to have, you know, more more venues of, of performances and sports. But at the price tag they spend of over 30 million, given the other pressing needs we have, it just felt a little steep. So I would have been on that side and that vote. But now it's interesting. It's coming back to us where now they've committed to it and they want to know, will you come up and essentially fund the synthetic turf or something of, you know, maybe to the tune of a couple up to a couple million dollars even. And, you know, now comes the question, you know, I, I don't know where I stand on this one yet, but I know I don't typically love taxpayer funded stadium investments personally. I just, you know, if you Google that and then you will see the stats and, and figures on why it usually is a bad deal for taxpayers. But I, I, the question I asked you to relay because I had to jump over to another meeting was do the math for me. Show me what this is the upfront dollar investment we are prepared to put. If we get X number of days free to use, one, what what cost avoidance are we getting? I think they, they had proposed like five days or something like that a year for 15, for 15 years. years. So, 75 so what's what's the cost avoidance? I think they gave you an answer. It was like seven or eight thousand dollars essentially would be the cost avoidance there. And then what would be given the events and the other investments we'd have to put to make those five days happen? You know, what what would be the indirect kind of, you know, tax uh, inflows and, and community inflows that would come from us doing that? Um, and then I just want to do the quick math and see, you know, when, when is the payback period for the investment we would initially put in? Yeah, and this is something I'm kind of keenly uh, focused on because it's right in the heart of my district. It's between the Elizabeth community and Uptown. Uh, it's right along the corridor for the Gold Line streetcar. It's right along the corridor for the Sugar Creek Greenway. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways for people, a lot of modes for people to get there. Uh, and enjoy whatever's going on at Memorial Stadium. Uh, it's also a historic landmark that's that's kind of fallen into neglect and, and disrepair, and I'd like to see it better honored. I mean, it, it you know it is there to honor um, a lot of our veterans, and so again, it's something I want our community to be able to enjoy and to engage with. And right now, it's not really that. So um, I hope we can find. I mean, the county um, thankfully is going to undertake a lot of this work with or without our partnership. Um, I think there's still more discussions to be had as to whether our partnership will materialize or not, but I do think it allows for that that uh, venue to be used more frequently than it would otherwise, and uh, and that's something I'm most likely going to support. Before we get into the, all that we did yesterday, I do want to give a quick shout out on Friday. Um, 
I was glad to be invited to give a, a welcome remarks at the kickoff for Bikes Charlotte, which is going on for the next couple of weeks. So a lot of folks gathered and biked to the government center Friday morning for breakfast and kind of a, a gathering out on the government porch uh, out here on the 4th Street side. And, um, and so I got to give some remarks to them. We also had Open Street 704 through my district this weekend that was an incredible success. Uh, so there's a lot going on in the cycling community right now. Uh, and shout out to all the people that biked down to the government center on Friday to join us for that, um, that get together. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and seven, uh, Open Street 704 had the biggest turnout it's had to date um, on Sunday. What were so Patchouli's sales? Did anyone uh, tally probably, that all up? Probably through the roof. Off went, the charts. It went from no to Plaza Midland. So it, was, <laughs> it looked awesome. I, I had family in town, but uh, uh, it looked awesome. So yesterday. Oh, day yesterday, man, huge even though, day. Even though we didn't have a, a usual council business meeting per se, we did actually have two um, things that were – public meetings because it had the majority of the council in, in both regards. Fire the, chief, the first swear, one I know, swear yeah, in. The first one, we, we, I think, all got pretty geeked up because geeked we swore in our new fire chief, Reginald Johnson, who we uh, brought down from Fairfax, Virginia. And as you and I and Braxton and a few others were staging back behind the meeting chamber, we got to listen to the pipes and drums band of the Charlotte Fire Department warming Not up. usually designed to be listened to indoors. indoors. <laughs> yeah. Particularly in a small I couldn't really room. hear anything. It was awesome, man. I loved it. Uh, you know, I think Braxton looked like he was ready to run through a wall when they yes. were done playing those songs. So um, it's always, you know, that's one of the things that um, obviously we, you know, we both have appreciation for our uh, our frontline defenders and fire and police. And um, but one of the really cool things about getting to engage with a lot of their traditions and ceremonies and things like that is there. There's a lot of well, just that. There's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of um, really interesting and, and, and cool pomp and circumstance around it. And so, you know, having that whole group coming out in kilts and playing the bagpipes and the drums and stuff is just something you don't get to see every day. So I, I really like the new chief's words. Uh, he, in, in, he started with in that platform an awareness, uh, you know, PSA essentially of we've had six firefighters this year die. And, and the majority of those were caused initially uh, by um, cooking related, unattended cooking related um, fires that started. Are you looking at me weird? Did I get that wrong? I think I think those were citizens. I thought he said was it citizens. Community. Yeah, we haven't lost six Charlotte fire. Yeah, I was going to say I was surprised. Okay, well, okay, all right. But we have lost people in this community to very avoidable um, fire. Um, Either way, it was a great right. p- platform use of the uh, the PSA there. And then he went to kind of talk about the culture, and and he's looking to establish a tone from the top and a culture of you know, um, of, of family unity. And then, you know, uh, not, not anyone fearing, um, retaliation for anything. Cause you know, there is some history there. So I thought, you know, he, he, he set he's, the right tone. yeah, he set the right tone. He strikes me as like a, uh, a no nonsense guy, like uh, chief Putney. Uh, and, and, you know, I just, I, I haven't got to spend any one-on-one time with him yet, but I feel like I'm going to like him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward. I've got a meeting with him next week where we can sit down and get to know each other, but just at first glance and, the brief conversations we've had, I've been really impressed. Um, I think Marcus, as usual, got the right guy. Um, One of Marcus's, I think, best talents as a city manager is, is modern talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, I, it's I think recruiting. so too. He's got a, he's got a good eye for people that will fit into this family, and and certainly almost nowhere more than than Charlotte Fire. It is a family, and it's it's got that um, 
it's got that mentality. And I was glad to see, too, obviously we had talked at, at, ad nauseum about leading up to this fire chief hire that there was mixed sentiment in terms of what the firefighters wanted, whether they wanted inside hire and outside hire. And um, I, the room was packed yesterday with folks from CFD that were there to support him. And I would imagine probably from both camps. So uh, I think, you know, once the decision was made, people have embraced it. They're going to give this guy a chance. And I think he's going to impress him and win him over. And uh, I think we've got the right person at the helm. So I'm looking forward to, to his hopefully long tenure and looking forward to getting him to know him better. Um, so that was, that was a meeting because we were all at the dais. We, uh, the only business conducted was swearing him in, but that was really cool to see. And um, But then we rolled straight into an environment committee meeting that you joined us for um, and had a couple of topics, the biggest of which was probably our new energy resolution. Yeah. So, you know, we've, I think we've mentioned before in November, I believe, of last year, there was a resolution put forward that we'd be 100% clean energy city by 2050. But then it was pointed out by many... That, to, to be clear, that was the last council um, right before the end of the And it was tenure. the last meeting of the last council That's right. proposed by outgoing Mayor Roberts, who basically, I think, from hearing from a few of the council members, kind of maybe sprung it a little bit. They didn't have a whole lot of dialogue and conversation about it, which is ultimately, I think, one of the reasons why it got voted down. But I, I think one of the other ones was, and I was sitting in the audience watching it happen because it was right before we were going to get sworn in, um, I think one of the more logical uh, comments on it was, why would we just blindly kind of make a proclamation to say we're going to be this by this point in time and have no idea really how to get there? The roadmap. Versus spend some time and, and actually build a roadmap, which is what they've been doing for four or five months now. Uh, and they presented that. I thought it's light years beyond just a proclamation. But I, I you know, I raised some serious concerns still about, you know, it not being aspirational. Everything is about the plan, which I think is, is again, light years beyond where we were. But um, we need to also understand some of the quantified impacts and, and trade-offs of doing that. Because one of the biggest things they want to do is take us from, uh, I think the term was um, 12, tons. 12 tons per yeah. person of CO2 down to under two tons per person. And that's annually. Annually. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't even know how they measure that. Uh, it, it, but... You know, it's I, I know how they've described how they've done the math to get to that. Yeah. But I asked some questions like, well, what are the major contributors? Like, what does the world look like in 2040 or 50 that makes that possible to get down to two tons over an 80 percent reduction? Looks like the Jetsons. Yeah, exactly. Well, but I mean, I, it, they said, you know, buildings, transportation and energy generation are the major contributors of this. And of that, two-thirds of the contribution is building. So what I don't want to do is we have this thing and we have a plan, yet basically, you know, we have to mandate or, or put in place, you know, ordinances and things that make it impossible to do business here. I, I want to make sure that we find a balance where we push forward and be good stewards of our environment and do things that with, within reason, but don't shut down the economy and the market by doing so. Well, I think, I mean, you coming from the technology sector certainly understand that over the amount of change that can take place in what's now a 32-year plan um, in terms of adoption of things like wind and solar energy, uh, electric and hybrid cars, I mean, all of that will hit a point probably where it becomes more cost-effective and, and adoption will be uh, incredibly rapid. So I think over 32 years it's achievable and as a more relatable com comparison, the goal that was put forward in November, if, if you're talking to using the comparison of crime would have been to say in 35 in 30 some years we want 
there to be no crime. And you'd go, well, that of course that should be the aspiration, but that's not realistic. There's never going to be no crime. This new plan... Well, use, there can be, but it's, using you've seen Minority point, Report, it's the pre-crime <laughs> cognition unit no, of which I'm getting invest, uh, arrested before, while I think of it. Is that what we want? Right? I mean, that's terrible. Like three analogy. people listening have any idea what you're talking Everybody about. Everybody knows and my, my I've, I've realized now, just because you don't get and watch my movie uh, analogies, everyone else does like Please it. tweet us and let us know if you didn't get Tark's analogies. So the pre-crime, the cogs, them. the pre-crime cogs. You okay. know, everyone knows. They float in that body of water, and that's what we need in the government center. We didn't need you to double down on it. Um, <laughs> but this new one is basically saying we want to reduce crime, or in this case, we want to reduce um emissions and, and our impact on the environment. And again, it's it's quantifiable, it's it's measurable, it's got a roadmap. And I think, uh, and we've enlisted the help of uh, a very bright sounding doctor and scientist who is going to help us here. And um, he has a doctor and he has kind of a little bit of an accent. So I, I am makes completely, super yeah, smart. It makes it, he just seems so smart. I'm like, yeah, thank you, doctor. Um, so again, I, I think we are far better in a far better spot to say, this is something we can support and this is something we can we can actually aspire to achieve, realistically aspire to achieve. Um, so I think that was yeah. a win. Shout out to Rob Focus, good, doing good work. Always. Um, so then last night, in lieu of a normal Monday night council business meeting, we went out immediately after in that. In lieu of? You're using the tree, uh, the tree save uh, zoning yes. uh, terminology. Meeting in lieu. In lieu. Um, so we had a meeting in lieu at the airport from 3 to 6 p.m. where we got to do a, a pretty cool uh, and very robust tour of the airport with Brent Cagle, the airport director, um, get brought up to speed on the, the incredible... Brent Cagle is another gem we have in, yeah. the, in the city. Lucky, lucky to have him running our airport. Um, we got to learn more about what an economic engine that airport really is, not only for Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, but for the region at large. And... You know, and then we, we were there with a lot of our Mecklenburg delegation to the General Assembly. So it was a good opportunity to try to um, break bread with them, kind of strengthen our relationships with them. And and obviously, you know, this this airport is an economic engine and an asset for the whole state. And, and our Mecklenburg delegation knows that. But I think we hopefully equipped them with some knowledge and some data points to be able to take back to their colleagues when the Charlotte Airport needs support from a state level to say, this really isn't just a benefit to Charlotte. It's a benefit to the entire state. You know, my my, my uh, takeaway from that whole meeting, it, it's funny, it, it wasn't even really to do with the airport <laughs> because airport looks great. You know, we're, we're, we're growing like crazy, um, very impressive tour and everything. But I think my takeaway was um, while we have some individual relationships here and there from person to person between, you know, Charlotte City Council and our, uh, our General Assembly delegation, um, we are still not to a natural kind of productive working point, given the history and uh, the kind of um, the, the disruptive relationship that has existed back and forth. And, you know, pointing no blame or anything like that, but we need to look forward. And I just, I, I had a, a sense of kind of like a, there were two groups kind of eyeing each other a little bit. And a lot of us are new and a lot of us don't have the history. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I, I just, one of the things I campaigned on, and I know several others did, was we need to um, heal our relationship to a point and work productively with, uh, with our delegation in the General Assembly. And um, it's, this was my first opportunity to see all of us or a lot of us from both sides in one room. And, you know, it's just, it, 
it, it didn't feel like natural, like everyone getting together, like let's tackle it. It still was kind of like yeah. there's history here. I mean, I also think I, through different circumstances, have had the opportunity to at least have um, some relationship with pretty much everybody. I mean, I've met or have some relationship with everybody in our Mecklenburg delegation, House and Senate, Republican and Democrat. Obviously, some I know far better than others. But I, knew, I, I did notice that there were, particularly amongst the um, some of our other newer council members, there were people who were meeting for the first time. And so I do think there's value in that. And I saw people exchanging business cards. And um, so you can't, I mean, you, you can't really work with someone until you know them. And you can't know them until you spend time with them. And so I think that, you know, while yesterday we didn't all skip out of there holding hands i do think that those kind of gatherings are beneficial because if it is just an exchange of business cards and a handshake and a hey i'd love to get together and have coffee sometime that's how you start to build a relationship and and a lot of that as is the case in business is the case in politics it's just face time it's time spent you have to build trust with people Uh, that can't be done quickly and so i think the more we can find opportunities to get together, to break bread together, to talk about issues that impact us as a city and the state as a whole, uh, I think that trust will be built. And I think, you know, to your point, there have been some some rocky times over the past few years between the city and the state. And I think that some of that, you know, those, some of those fences have to be mended and they won't be mended quickly. But um, I think it was yeah. it was a worthwhile get together. No, I agree. We just have to build on that. Uh, and another quick shout out: we also today we're, uh, we're over at the uh, Goodwill campus and got to be part of that great uh, event where um, Cogn- the Cognizant CEO. Which, if you're not familiar with Cognizant, um, they are a huge company, 16 billion in revenue with a B. Uh, that's legit. Big enough and, that they're starting a hundred million dollar charitable foundation. Yes, so they're starting that foundation. They're they're seeding it with a hundred million dollars, and they were announcing today they've decided the first place they're deploying any money out of that fund. Uh, this will be one point five million dollars is going to go to Goodwill Industries, who then will be deploying it for. Um, for uh, uh, workforce development training, uh, technology-based training, and help with um, you know curriculum and testing and certification. So, uh, Tom, the first check today I think was one hundred fifty thousand. There might be more coming. Um, no, it's one point five million, man. Well, look, let's agree to disagree. There I was mean, a one and a five and some zeros. There were. Either way, it's it's a lot of money going to a, a great organization that will will use it well. And you were going to mention. I know um, one of the special guests that was there. Yeah, you know, uh, Senator Tillis was there. Um, uh, If you don't know Tom Tillis, super strong guy, uh, very smart. He was up there with the CEO and the head of, um, head of, uh, uh, what, Larkin, word? Goodwill Industries. Goodwill, thank you, yes. Yep, (laughs) well done. And, you know, they gave a nice little speech. Um, But Cognizant themselves, I mean, to have them doing stuff here, you know, they have three major kind of, business lines that make up their, their company, but they're all digital-based. They have digital business, digital operations, more kind of back office and things like that, and then digital systems and technology that they sell. So to, to have them kind of having a meaningful presence with, uh, with, with doing good in the community here is a really great thing. You're going to enjoy this, and you're not going to hear it from me very often. Oh. You were right. Yeah. I, just, I just Googled it. I'm always right, You were Larkin. rarely right, but when I'm you are. I'm always right. But when you are, I will allow this you. This mind do. is like a steel trap, well, man. It's like a steel trap. Yeah. It captures things and doesn't let them out. That is true. 
Um, so let's just quickly look forward to what's happening uh, over the next week, man. I, I know that the golf tournament's in town. District 6 on national and even global stage with Quail Hollow Golf Club. Fantastic. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Uh, that's that's really exciting. Um, what else is happening this week? I know that... Well, we've got our second round basketball game against CMP. Oh, yeah, that's big time. We're going to win that. Um, next Tuesday, of course, is uh, big voting day, right? It is. The election is coming up. You can early vote this week, so you should get out and do that. Uh, I think you can early vote all the way through Saturday, or then you can vote at your home precinct Tuesday. Um, if you live in Precinct 109, wait till Tuesday. You can see me if you come out and vote in the morning. Yep. I'll, be manning, I'll be manning the polls, working for my, my friend Spencer Merriweather and Ray McKinnon. Uh, I'll be there from 6.30 to 10, Precinct 109. Uh, somebody bring me some Bojangles. Done. And then, But we'll uh, actually talk to everybody before then, depending on when they listen, because we'll have an episode the night before the election. Yep. And also on Thursday, if you live uh, around my district, um, this is Tark. Not Larkin. Um, at 6:30 at Myers Park uh, United Methodist, there's a community meeting on some a rezoning they're going after to expand and, and do some really cool stuff. I'm going to swing by there, and then at seven at Sharon Presbyterian, 5201 Sharon Road, there is a uh, an airport airport noise public meeting hosted by some of my constituents and others uh, who have really um, have really taken up an issue with some of the airport noise challenges uh, that we'll, we'll drill into later. So One last shout-out for this week. Mm. Really cool event that's coming up on Thursday is the Mayor's International Community Awards um, that will be held Thursday, May 3rd, 6 p.m. at the Booth Playoffs. That's put on by the Office of International Relations and the Charlotte International Cabinet, a group that I was involved in for several years. So that's a, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so big week. Yeah. Wanted to get you up to speed. I'll also be getting a haircut Thursday afternoon. Just FYI, it's been long past due. I, I've noticed you've got one recently. You were looking a little rugged. I'm kind of there now, so yeah. just want everyone to know. I think we've now officially run out of things. No, I'm still. I'm just looking at the calendar. There's a lot of things I want to kind of talk no about one cares right about now. your haircut. So now that's my cue. So thank <laughs> everybody for joining us. Make sure you, you tell your friends about R&D and the QC. Make sure you rate us, you subscribe to us, you follow us, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is. Our our, our listeners are the most informed, local, pol- politic-minded people in the world. Locally, okay. for Charlotte. You heard North it here. Carolina. You guys are smart. And we hope that we can contribute to that. So we hope to hear from you. Uh, we hope to be back with you next Monday. And thank you for listening. Episode 17. We out. In the books. You're listening to R&D at the QC with Tariq Bakari and Mark Eggleston.